Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Hour number two of Oilers now. Bob Stopper with you from Dallas, Texas. It's 106 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now, brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Digitex has our office printer and supply needs covered. They do it all, and they could be doing it for you right now. Coming up in this hour, uh, a look at uh, the NHL draft, which will take place round one Friday night and rounds two through seven on Saturday with Sam Cosentino. He is with Sportsnet. He is their draft guru. You can reach us on a River Cree Resort and Casino hotline, 780-496-0063. They've got blood, sweat, and tears with Bo Bice on June 29th and the greatest Scottish rock band of all time, Nazareth, August 10th. You can text us at 630-630 on our Westlock Ford text line. If you're looking for a new vehicle, go see Paul Olson at Westlock Ford. Check out their great selection today at westlockford.com. Worth the drive to get your new ride. And we're on Twitter at Oilers Now. You can tweet me personally, Bob underscore Stoffer. Straight off to our River Cree Resort Casino hotline. And we welcome back to the show, Sam Cosentino. Sam, how are you doing? Yeah, doing great, Bob. Really looking uh, forward to what's uh, what's about to unfold here. I think we're going to see some pretty good action. Uh, well, and that's, I guess, the starting point. Uh, I don't think we're necessarily going to see action with the first two picks. Does the draft start with the Montreal Canadiens at three? Is it a foregone conclusion that Carolina... We know Buffalo's not moving Rasmus Dahlin, uh, you know, the number one, uh, the consensus number one pick. Uh, but, you know, Svechnikov has been very impressive. Is he pretty much a lock now at number two as well with Carolina? Yeah, I think so. I, I do. I think those two picks, you may as well wipe them out of the books and make this a, a 29-pick draft beginning with Montreal at number three. And there are a variety of options that will be set to, in place here for Mark Bergevin. You have to think about a number of things. First of all, all the talk about a center. So that puts Kod Kanyemi in the mix. Maybe that's a smokescreen. Maybe the best player available, and at least in my mind, that best player available would be Noah Dobson. And then you have the opportunity with a team that has a first-round pick and four second-round picks, including 33 and 35, if I'm not mistaken, um, that would give them the option to, I think, move back and still maybe have the opportunity to keep two first-round picks and address a couple of situations, uh, be it the center position and and uh, someone at defense. But um, they're going to be a fascinating team to watch, and I honestly think uh, we probably won't see it happen right up until the very second because, uh, you know, from what I've heard, there's been lots of talk already about the movement of that pick. Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, and I, we, we bumped into each other downstairs, actually, in the lobby, and I, I showed you a, a projected top nine that I threw out there a couple days ago, and I, it, you know... Uh, you mentioned Kakanami at three, and I actually had Kakanami at three and Dobson at four, and I moved Zadina right down to nine, and, and so that left Kachuk, Hughes, Bouchard, Wallstrom, and then Zadina. Uh, you know, it's unlikely that Zadina would fall that, that far, but is he, you know, because of potential needs for other organizations, could he be falling a little? I think what we find, Bob, especially in this top ten, and with the teams that are selecting there, we're finding 
um, an unusual amount of intersection between drafting a team need and the best player available. Because there's so many differing opinions on that group after Svechnikov, you're going to find teams that really truly believe that Hughes is the next best guy or Bouchard is the next best guy or it's Adina or Kachuk. And because of that, when you look at those teams and intersect that with the fact that hey, this is also going to not only address the positional need for us, but the best player available. That's kind of when you find your draft heaven. And I think there's a lot of teams in that boat, especially through the first 10. And I might even extend that to 12 to twelve picks. And so you're not necessarily saying that the players are interchangeable, but if you're feeling really close about somebody where at a position you need a player of that position, yet you still feel really closely about his skill and being the best player available, then you probably lean slightly towards the positional side of things if there's not that much of a difference. So that's uh, that's the fascinating part uh, of what I see here in the first probably 10 to 12 picks. All right, so I operated from an Edmonton-centric perspective, Sam, under the premise that uh, Darlene, Svechnikov, Kakanami, Dobson, Kachuk, Hughes, Bouchard, Wallstrom, and Zadina would be gone. That would leave yes. Smith, Hayton, Kravtsov, and Boquist. And we got a lot of people upset that I didn't automatically slide Boquist in a lot spot with Edmonton at 10. Uh, give me your thoughts, if you could, if you could compare and contrast uh, Smith versus uh, Boquist. So Smith, to me, is a, is a safer pick. Uh, I think Smith still has the ability with um, his great skating stride to be able to control the play in terms of zone exits, zone entries, um, you know, being able to gap up in the neutral zone. Uh, but what the thing that separates Ty Smith, I think, from most people, even in that first 10, is the character. You're talking about a guy who's had some, you know, family adversity here growing up. You're talking about a guy who's constantly knocking on the door of Dan Lambert's office his head coach in Spokane, to drink and drink up the knowledge that, that Dan brings, uh, you know, as a former player and now as a really good head coach. Um, the guy's drive to be better, his internal fire is so good. And when you look at all the teams he's played on, dating back to his minor hockey days, he's always worn a letter. He's worn a letter internationally. He's worn a letter at Spokane. I mean, there's so many things to like about the character of this player. And then you add in his ability to control the game from the back end because of such a beautiful skating stride and his ability to think and anticipate the game. And for me, you put him, you know, above, um, you know, in, in that grouping there of, you know, 8 to eight to 12. When I look at Bolquist, I see a guy that I really like as a pure goal scorer from the back end. And we don't say that often. And it doesn't mean he's going to score 50 goals. But what it does mean is, when you have that goal-scoring ability from the back end based on, A, your ability to get the shot through, uh, B, its accuracy, and C, uh, you know, with its, with its release, um, you're talking about the new age game where, yeah, okay, yes, he's going to skate the puck up the ice. Yes, he's going to support and at times initiate the rush. But even once you get into the offensive zone with possession, he's a guy who becomes essentially a fourth scoring threat for you. And you don't often see that in defensemen. So that's what I like about his game. It's that extra dynamic ability to score goals, um, you know, coming off a, uh, you know, a really good season, good under 18s. He's done some things um, analytic wise that put him in, in, you know, in a pretty exclusive class. Sam Cosentino joining us from Sportsnet. Bob Stauffer with you in Oilers Now. Sportsnet will have your draft coverage Friday night and uh, Saturday. Uh, 
just uh, who defends better, Sam, between those two players at this stage, Smith or Boquist for you? Yeah, I would say Smith does. I'd say Smith is more responsible in that area. I think his attention to detail is a little stronger in that area. And I think Boquist, at least the scouts that I've talked to, feel that you know at times there's it's a, maybe a little bit too puck hungry on the part of Boquist. Uh, yet he still has those new age qualities that make those new age defensemen really good. Skating, puck handling, decision making. You know, those are all things, Bob, that, you know, even though we're still in a possession game, but in a chip situation, in a neutral zone situation, or in the case, you know, dump in, line change, whatever else, you can still use all of those qualities to defend. You can really get back quickly on your retrievals. While on your way back, you're processing what's going to be ahead of you once you do retrieve that puck. And then once you make that, you know, get back and get the puck, you're able to execute that, that play to get your team out of the zone. So essentially that's defending, is spending as little time in your own zone as possible. These new age guys, a lot of them have the ability to do that, yet they're kids and most of them are still focused on point totals. All right, Sam. Uh, Barrett Hayden, this is a guy you would have seen. You know, I did see a little bit of Smith during the course of the year. Uh, didn't see a lot of Hayden. Some have suggested, you know, his ceiling is a third-line center. I've had some uh, scouts suggest, no, 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 no. Buried in a lineup with a deep team in Sault Ste. Marie. That was the best team in junior hockey this year. You saw this guy a fair amount. What's, you know, what kind of upside does he have? Well, that, that's where I find him. I find him as a guy that if you look, sheer, you know, at the sheer point totals, they're not uh, going to overly impress you, but there were so many options for head coach Drew Bannister on that team, and they didn't, uh, and they extended well past the forward group when you talk about Mac Holwell and you talk about uh, Rasmus Sandin on the back end, Connor Timmons on the back end. There were so many scoring options in addition to those three on the back up front that Drew Bannister had to do a really good job of managing the ice time and the high leverage minutes and the power play minutes for a lot of his players. And as a result of that, Barrett Hayton, I wouldn't say fell victim to it, but fit in comfortably to not always having to be the guy or not always being that number one option, yet he still put up decent point totals. Where I think um, you know there, there is some like in this pick is the fact that he does have a two-way game. His hands and his shot are much better than I think people have anticipated. And the fact is, when he goes back to Sault Ste. Marie next year, that's you know, something happens where he starts in the NHL next year, you're probably looking at a 100-point guy because he's going going to become the number one option in Sault Ste. Marie. So a sheer look at the numbers I don't think tells the whole story for this guy. Is there a comparable between him and Bo Horvat with what Horvat went through in his draft year coming out of the London Knights? Um, let's see. You know what? I think the one thing about Bo that, that's not a lot of people are talking about with Barrett Hayden, or at least not to the same degree as the skating ability. I think that was one thing that was a bit of a concern for um, for Bull Horvat coming out of his draft. And while it has been mentioned, it hasn't been mentioned on the same level as when Bo. So when it comes to you know to Barrett Hayden, I think you have to look at the at the grand scheme of things, and it goes back to the you know the August under 18s, where essentially he started as the 13th forward and moved his way up into a very prominent role on that gold medal team. And then you look at Sault Ste. Marie, and, you know, it's tough. When you're in your draft year, you just want to pound the points as best as you can. But you never heard this guy complain about, you know, having to defer to Gettinger or Kopaka or Boris Kachuk or all the other options that Sault Ste. Marie had. And I really like that about him. But when you sit down with him, Bob, you're looking at a guy who's a lot like Ty Smith in terms of you see a future, uh, you know, uh, letter-wearing jersey for this guy. 
you see a guy who looks like he'd walk into an NHL interview, you know, with a briefcase and a suit on, as if it were a job interview, and not, you know, with a pair of shorts and maybe your hat backwards, where, hey, I'm just a 17-year-old kid, I'm here to, to talk to you guys because I have to. I mean, I think he already uh, approaches the game like a pro. All right. Uh, when we talked to you about two weeks ago when we were in Buffalo, or just after Buffalo, you said you were going to look for some more information on Vitaly Kravtsov uh, because he's a guy kind of right around the 10 through 14 range. Have you been able to find or deduce or get any more information to get a sense? Because, you know, there's the so-called Russian factor. How much of a wild card is this guy? It, it is a wild card, Bob, and I, and I think if all things were equal, he, he'd be a surefire top 15 guy. And I still feel he fits in that range. Like in terms of his skill, his size, you know, the the the, um, the ability to shoot the puck and and produce are all there. Now the issue for Kravtsov is you go back to his regular season and he wasn't playing much. Maybe nine minutes a game, not getting any of the substantial ice time. But when you got into the playoffs, the story changed. Six goals, eleven points, sixteen games. One of the best under twenty performances in the KHL's history. So that's. That's the type of thing, and, and I think you have to be somewhat wary of late-season surges, late-season performances, yet you still have to be able to put some credence into what happens in those pressure situations. So it's a real fine line and a fine balance that the scouts are having to deal with there because you don't want to just go on, on playoffs alone. You want to go back to the regular season, but your book isn't great with the regular season. So then you try and go back and find whenever he's playing with his peer group in order to make a proper evaluation of this player. So I, I do think, Bob, that he is of top 15 talent, but I do believe that there are a lot of teams that still hold true to that Russian factor. And it's not unfounded when you think about Nachushkin. You know, when you think about Burmistrov going back, when you think about uh, Triamkin, and, you know, you think about some of these players who do have a good option, and good on them for having those options to be able to go back and feed their family and maybe get home and get a better contract and make more money and not have to play in the AHL and all those other things. So, you know, but it is a, it is a real legit option when it comes to those Russian players because they're not going anywhere but home. Yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget, uh, Burmistrov went eighth and Nachushkin went tenth to the Dallas Stars. The Oilers, of course, had Yakupov and there were some challenges there. And that's the number one overall pick and we're not even sure he's going to play in the NHL next season. Um, all right. So if, if you were a betting man of the following, let's say I'll give you four players. So the following four players, okay. I'm going to give you, um, Boquist. I'm going to give you Kravstov. Uh, Barrett Hayton or Ty Smith, who's the most likely to get into the top ten? Uh, man, oh man! See, the one thing about Boquist that has scared some people off is, is there's some there's some concussion issues, and that's the one thing that's 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 back teams off a little bit. So does that push him outside of the top ten? Uh, you know, I think Smith is. Pro- to be honest, with you, I think Smith and Boquist are both inside the top ten. I think Hayden really? falls just outside of that group. Yeah. Hmm. So who comes out of my list of nine guys? So I'll, let's go back to that for a second. So obviously we know Svechnikov. Yeah. Dalene and Svechnikov are going one-two. Um, yeah. Is it, can Bouchard be a guy that potentially comes out of the top ten for you? Yeah, and and again, and that's you know that's the that's the real kind of dilemma you find here. And the only reason I say that, Bob, is like. 
okay, you look at Walster, for example. You look at Chuck Bouchard. All of these teams, I think, really have these guys grouped in that top 12, but not necessarily in, in one consensus order. So if I were to pull someone out of that group, no, you, you might be right there. It might be Ty Smith right on the border. I think, honestly, to, to round up the top 10, it's probably going to come down to Smith and Bolquist. So let's All put right. it that way. So they'd be 10, 10 and 11. So rather than both of them be inside that top 10, I think they're probably 10 and 11. Got it. Uh, second round of the draft. Is this the unique? I mean, back to the centers. So there's a shortage of centers. Uh, Kanami sitting there at number, you know, could go as high as number three. I don't think anybody thought that two months ago. Uh, Barrett Hayden could be a guy in the range at 10, 11, 12. Um, shortage of centers. There are some defensemen there, but there's also a lot of defensemen potentially available in the in the second round. Uh, the Addison kid that plays for the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Uh, Jet Wu out of the Moose Jaw Warriors. Uh, uh, I know Johnny Tyconic uh, drew some raves from some of our viewers at EdmontonOilers.com for his energy level uh, yeah. during the interview process. Uh, Bernard uh, Docker as well. Jacob Bernard Docker who lit it up in yeah. the HHL this year. There really is a lot of second-round defense depth, isn't there? Well, let me let me just throw these ones uh, at you, Bob, as I continue to work on my mock draft here. Matias Samuelson, does he slip into the second round? Bodie Wild, does he slip into the second round? And Jared McIsaac, does he slip into the second round? Now, there's three defensemen that for pretty much most of the year fit themselves late, inside, round. I would say, inside 25, yeah. even for all of those guys. And now I'm not so sure that's the case. And I would have to say at least one of those three probably doesn't make the cut for the first round. So that puts him into the second round, and now you're saying, geez, can I get him a Kaiser there who was really so good all season long, came back and had a bit of resurgence in the under-18s? Can I put a Samuelson in there who I know for sure is going to give me that that perfect pairing for one of the new-age defensemen, knowing that he's going to take care of business and, and be a leader and be a good citizen and those sorts of things? And then you have the guy like Cody Wild who some question the character and the baggage that comes along with that pick, and then you look at the way he plays, the way he shoots the puck, and he skates with his size, and you're saying, gee, that's a, that's a pretty big package to turn down. And then you look at his under-18 and say, well, you know, he wasn't playing much in the power play. Well, how can that be? So those are three guys that I have serious questions as to whether all three, if any of them, all end up in the first round. And if they do get pushed into the second round, add them to Addison, Philip Johansson, uh, Johansson, Mills, Lundquist, if he doesn't make it in the first round, Bernard Docker, Tyconic, the list goes on and on. You're probably looking at eight of the, eight of the first ten picks in round two going the way of the defenseman. We haven't even mentioned Ryan Merkley. Well, and here's the thing, Bob. Let's talk about this for a second, okay? He's a guy, no doubt in my mind, is a top 10 talent. Ten years ago, we wouldn't even be talking about this guy being in the first round. We probably wouldn't be talking about him getting outside of 15. But the gap between skill and character is closed so much over that time because of the salary cap, because you don't have time to babysit guys like you used to and develop them like you used to, that gap is really narrowed. So now, character has become a big part of the equation when drafting a player. And that's where they're finding issues with Ryan Merkley. Now, I will say this. There are multiple teams, six of them, I believe, with multiple picks in the first round. The Rangers would go. be the most likely of this group to take him with their third, which would be a 28. He would be the most likely if you're trying to hit all home run. Then you look at Montreal, four second-round picks. 
I look at Detroit's got three or four in the second round. You know, you're talking about teams. The Islanders have multiple second-round picks. So, too, does Colorado, I believe, the Rangers. So you're looking at a lot of teams with multiple picks in the second round. I think a lot of teams are thinking that they'll have an opportunity to get them early in the second, although the Rangers would probably be the favorite only because they have three picks in the first round to select them there. Great stuff, Sam. Uh, people will be watching. It's on Sportsnet, the NHL entry draft. Thanks for taking time to join us here on Oilers Now. My pleasure. Thanks, Bob. You bet. That is Sam Cosentino from NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet. We'll step out for two minutes. This is Oilers Now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca. Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports certificate of authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton show. Showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca.